Why are we doing this? For the love of the game, mate. For the love of rugby. Who doesn't love rugby? A sport founded in 1823 by a young man called William Webb Ellis. Good start. It has laws, values and loads of complicated shit. Like lineouts. Let me introduce your hosts. No man has played for England more times than Ben Youngs. Question from Ed. How does it feel when everyone says you're shit and that you shouldn't be playing? Thank fuck he's got a podcast. The jibber-jabber on that mouthy cat. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, mate. Hang on. Let me have another go, please. I know hierarchies are frowned upon nowadays. Hit you at the top of the hierarchy. It's brilliant, all right? Oh, Dan Cole. With his hundred caps, all his medals, his cuddly, cute face, and his beautifully shiny head. So I slept my way to the top. Honestly, is Coley actually doing this? Well, if you want stories about traffic on the M1, then he's perfect. Like, you go on a Sunday night, you think it's going to be empty, and then around Northampton, you get stuck. For the love of rugby. In today's episode, your guide to England camps. Inside the mystical world of Penny Hill Park. The hotel room hierarchy. One-on-ones with Eddie Jones. The scandalous toilet situation. And who's most likely to FaceTime their dog. Enjoy. So, here we are, episode one. Tra-la-la. We'll get straight into it. What is day one like in England camp? Fair while ago, I think my first England camp, like when we were looking, we, we were together, weren't we? So 2010, I think I must have got a phone call off probably one of the coaches. I'd say Graham Roundtree at the time, because he was, I knew him from Leicester and said, well done, Mucker, you're in. I'd be like, <laughs> thanks. Um, what do we do? And then I think must have got an email or, I'm trying to think what time for WhatsApp. What do we well, use WhatsApp, WhatsApp wasn't around then, yeah. so it would have been an email. an email. And I'm pretty sure I'd have found way without GPS as well. Like, because it would have been a time when you're doing yeah. a car. So I must have looked at a map, driven down. Um, before the M1 had a load of roadworks. Like you go on a Sunday night, yep. you think it's going to be empty, and then around Northampton, you get stuck. There's got all these 50 mile hour calming zones, 60 mile, all those corridor of hell around the M25, which is like, what's it, M40, M4, M3, Heathrow's in there. Um, but once you've navigated it, and you've you arrived, there, you what do you do? <laughs> well, I think you, once you come off the M3, <laughs> then the anxiety starts, doesn't it? You get around, yeah. you get around the M25, you get M3, you come off, and then, it, then, then the sort of like, oh God, Oh, what have I got? Have I got my kit? Got the right kit? Got too many boots? Got not enough boots? Got gum shield? What do I need? Training kit? Pants? Obviously need pants. Anyway, you get there. You arrive and you're thinking, where am I going? What do I do? How, who am I rooming with? Where is my room? How do I know where I'm going? When does training start? How early? Do, every, all these things you just don't know. Go to reception. Here's your room key. Thank you. And then you're into it. You say, so you go find your room, which again, at Penny Hill. It's a maze. Well, they're all named. It's not like one, two. Room, rooms aren't like one, two, three, four. They are names of different like beach ash hornbeam and like there's different parts begonia, of begonia begonia yeah. and you have no idea it's like here's your room and you're like hey is that a plant and then it's like you go in there and like you open your door and you panic a bit because you're like i don't know who i'm rooming with you know you don't know if you know them don't know if they're the club i think my first room was all right i think it was toby flood i think i got posted with so well that's it's okay yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> i've had better um but like yeah so i got posted there and then i think like you literally turn up You'll have a meeting, a team meeting that Sunday night. Yep. Well, the first time in 2010, going there thinking, why well, so my name's not on the list? Why well, so I'm checking in and they're like, no, sorry, there's no room for you. And you're like, I'm not meant to be here. It's been a mistake. You had obviously lads that have been there a long time that were just pulling up and getting the concierge to go park their car. We'd go park at the back of the car park miles away and, and try and figure out when, when walking down to reception of what, what we're going to do. I remember getting there. 
Do you remember to do the fitness test? It was the RFU fitness test. Well, I remember it? dying in pre-season doing that fitness test at one point. Because you were young, you had to prove yourself. But I remember all the veterans be like, I'm pretty sure it was Nick Easter was like, oh, I've got a sore wrist. I hurt yeah, my wrist in line outs. Like, Shawsy like, definitely had a bad back. Nick Easter would be like, oh, I've got a sore wrist and I can't do down-ups. And then like all the veterans would be like, no, I've got a sore shoulder. I can't do the down-ups, so I can't do it. I think there was a squad of like 35 of us. I think six of us actually ran the fitness test. As you get older, you realise that's just wisdom and that's yeah. just oh. smartness from them. So, Oh no, that was, yes, that was the first camp. And then um, once we've established where our rooms are, yeah. once we've established who we're rooming with, what sort of, how do we kick it off? You know, people probably might want to know about kit. Like how does that get allocated? Well, the kit's one of those things, isn't it? It was like when you're playing like through... I mean, I've got kit for, I think, for like England. I didn't play under 16s, but like North under 16s, stuff like that, where it's like, or Midlands under 15s, where it's like, this is the pinnacle of my career. I've got to keep this. It's like, <clears throat> you think the stash is good at sort of age lower age rate level. Then you get to the first team and it's like, we have been sorted out here. Like this casual, I think it was like Nike, it was like casual t-shirts, socks, like all this kind of stuff. There's trainers if you want them. You're like, this is brilliant. And then- The novelty wears off. Because <laughs> <laughs> you used to get kit like Six Nations, autumn, summer. It's too much. Yeah. It? Most of it's in my garage. And I went up the other day, getting the Christmas decks out down. The wife was like, you can do anything about that? No. That's why it's in the top of the garage where no one sees it. Um, maybe what we should do is, if the listeners are, if you fancy getting in contact through, I don't know how social media works, but you can deal with that. Yeah. So through can, your social contact media. Contact through social media. And then I will send you a sock, some pants, <laughs> maybe a t-shirt, maybe a bag, maybe a bag within a bag. I don't know. It might be, there might be with gum shield in there from like 25, yeah. 20 years ago. I can distribute it that way. And therefore everyone's a winner, aren't they? As long as- Who wouldn't want some match worn undershorts? I mean, you get you undershorts, didn't you? Like undershorts, tops, yeah. like, yeah. So I'll just find some of that. I'll give that away. Listeners, you can pay the potion packaging. But apart from that, we'll- uh... <laughs> <laughs> so If you know, yeah. do you know what, if you actually send it on um, random story, I got, I got sent this letter to the club, right? And this, um, I opened it up, this, this letter and it said, Ben Young's, I cannot believe you are wearing undershorts for a game. Do you know how ridiculous you look? That's what cyclists wear. It's pathetic. And he'd even done a little cutout of the newspaper really? where you could see my shorts and my undershorts. I thought, well, you've not got something better to do than, yeah. than bug me with this, this letter. So what I did was I wrote a really nice letter back, obviously went online, got all the information about undershorts and the benefits of them, did all that. Then I filled it up with glitter then I wrote his address and I didn't put a stamp on it, which meant he would then have had to go down the post office. It would have had to then pay, because you have to pay for it because there's no stamp on it, pay for this lovely letter from me, open up, hopefully glitter went everywhere, but he did have a nice letter. So, uh, nice work. Yeah, yeah that's just a real random one. I mean, that's probably doesn't put me in, shed me in good light, yeah. but um, I don't know, he just really annoyed me. Um, some used undershorts as well. <laughs> so really what we're am. saying, post and bashing, you can pay for. Yeah, yeah. post and bashing, you can pay for um, via Bitcoin or something like that. Um, we'll do that, shall we? <laughs> if anyone's interested and would like some handout of kits because uh, we need to get rid of some to uh, create yeah. more room in the garage. You could do a review of the podcast, hopefully five stars. Uh, put your no, 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 five stars, Len. You don't get anything for a one star slash four. Yeah, let's like, not my, uh, let's let's be a bit more I'd, demanding. You're I had right. my car service every day, and it's like, um, I can you leave a five star review because anything less than that, the managers get involved. It's like. Well, how can you ask me for a five-star review? I haven't driven it yet, mate. Well, well exactly. <laughs> Don't know if it's, it's like, surely it's a yeah, Surely it's not like a five-star, it's a yes or no, isn't it? If, if one to four is a fail and five is a pass, it's just a yes or no question. It's not a five-star. So anyway, five-star reviews, please. Yeah, so five-star review, leave your handle, we'll get in touch and uh, we'll send you some stash to say thank you and you'll be doing us a favour. Right, so Peniel Park is, is obviously the camp 
the main base of England. Yep. Been going there for years. I think Clive Woodward was the main um, yep. person. I'm not sure where they went beforehand, actually. But anyway, it's an amazing hotel. Has an incredible spa and everything like that for people yeah. that don't know so it's got all those facilities and then in 2010 when we first turned up there used to be a gym in the car park yeah. which was made out of a, a marquee, it was marquee temporary yeah. marquee yeah. then we'd go on the training pitch which was it's the paddock they've made it but like you can see where they've cut it out of the bank and all the water used to run down the bank which is often quite a lot in january february time and the pitch would flood it um, would. No, I, I've actually done some research on Penny Hill, by the way, if you want to ask me a question about Penny Hill. Uh, Coley, you've done some research. I'd, 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 myself and the listeners would love to know yeah, well, what you've come uh, up with. This research via Wikipedia tells me <laughs> that Penny Hill Park was actually, you know when it's, uh, the land was first mentioned? It was a beacon against the Spanish Armada in uh, 1588. You think it's fucking miles from the sea, wouldn't you? But like, yeah, yeah. I, just, I don't know. Like, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, yeah, no, neither did I. And then um, it was a country house built in 1859, 1849. Sorry, by. Um, James Hodges, who, uh, for all of our Canadian listeners, um, <laughs> he was an engineer that did the uh, Montreal-Victoria Bridge. So uh, shout out to them. Yeah. And then <laughs> basically it was made into a, a country, the country house was converted into a hotel in 1972 and became, I think, Penny Hill Park, as we know today, in 1981. There's my facts for Penny Hill Park. Now it's got the whole performance centre there. Yeah, it? it's changed a lot. Which, when was that built? So the performance centre, to be fair, Stuart Lancaster came in and one of the things he wanted was to make sure like an actual have a performance center rather than a temporary marquee in the, in the yeah. um, car park. And I think it's safe to say that that was a great decision in doing that. There is one drawback though. Go on. The toilet facility. Not great. There's literally the changer is there's a 30 man changing room and there's a door which has a urinal and a toilet, yeah. a sit down a proper toilet. Unfortunately, you can't obviously use the toilet and the urinal at the same time. So anytime someone needs to maybe a bit nervous about CV, they sting the change room out. Yes. That's the only design flaw I can find of in the entire building. I mean, I was trying to be glass half full, but uh, yeah, you're right. The well, to- no, toilet's you, an issue. Yeah. The phys- there's no physio room, but um, <laughs> where else do I go with? Uh, there's no, no, I'm kidding. But it's indoors, isn't it? So there's indoor, indoor 3G pitch. Yeah. There's a gym. There was a dojo as well, didn't there? They put a dojo in the car park for 2011. It's 2011, yeah. We did wrestling, didn't we? Yes. I did my knee. Yeah, you did your knee. I remember Matt Stevens <laughs> warming up. He was, into, he was like the heavyweight jiu-jitsu yeah, champion. Yeah, you've got to tell the story. He was like doing all this warming up and like doing this, this, this. And it was like a round-robin competition. So all the forwards are in a circle. And like the SC <laughs> coach reporting like, Coley, you're in against Crofty. And obviously I'd dominate him. And then like someone else would come in, <laughs> dominate them as well. But I think it was like Matt Stevens. Like, oh, after, after about 10 rounds, I was tired. So I stepped out. But then like <laughs> Matt Stevens came in. He was like this jiu-jitsu world champion because he had the time off he'd learned this. Anyway, he came in. I think he wrestled. I can't remember who it was. Like, was like say Tim Payne. I wrestled him out. Wrestled up her. Then Nick Easter came. He was really happy. Then Nick Easter came in. Just put him in like a bear hug. Picked him up. <laughs> carried him out. Just dumped him outside the ring. He was gutted. He was gutted. Like, you know, like king of the ring. And just see, yeah. Um, that was a highlight. And another one was like Manu. Man's Manu. It was like Manu was first on the scene, wasn't he? I think he was like wrestling Tyndall. Yeah. He literally just whacked him. It was like that. And he was out of the ring and it was like put on repeat in the team room, wasn't it, for like weeks on end? It was just like, yeah, don't mess with Manu. Um, so yeah, that was in the car park. Meanwhile, I was getting filled in by flood and then twisted my knee and then I had to have an operation. I mean, I was dominating him. Yeah, he, just, yeah, he just got me at yeah, a funny yeah, angle, didn't he? He cheated. He cheated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Cheated. yeah, yeah. You, got, you just got me at a strange angle. That's fine. I was, I, was, I was winning that without doubt. We've had a lot of good times in that car park. Do you remember coming back from, um, I think it was Italy and it was like snowed and we were coming <laughs> around the M25 with like all the cars pointing the wrong way. Yep. And then Barla decided that the car park was snowed in and he's like, I'm driving home. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> of watching him leave this car park that slopes like this. Isn't it's it? a really high slope. Oh. So basically, as you come in, as you go up to the car park, it slopes around the left-hand side and it's like a good, decent gradient, isn't it, to get up the hill? Yeah. So obviously... <laughs> Coming back down the other side, decent slope going down. I'm pretty sure most of the boys just decided to stay at the hotel that night. They did. And I'm pretty sure you used the curb to basically steer him around the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Grinding his alloys on the curb to get around. To wedge him and spit him out. four hours to get home that night. Anyway, um, we digress. Stuart brought in the... the new training facility, which is, uh, although there's there's some fundamental issues with... um, Toilets. other, Other than that, it's been a great success. So that's, and the pitch is absolute replica of Twickenham as well, which is probably yeah. worth oh, mentioning. Right. The amount of time effort they put into that yeah. pitch. It's outstanding. And they should moan it every second of the day, yeah. covers everything, lights, you like, fair play. It's about, I don't know, three minute walk from the hotel, isn't it? You come out of your room, walk down, and it's a, it's a little bit of a walk down the drive and, and then you're there at the training facility. But as you go in, you've got your change rooms on your right and upstairs is your gym and, and you say your 4G, which is plenty area big enough to then go do all your walkthroughs and clarities and everything yeah. like that. So should we touch on sort of the Sunday night and sort of setting the scene really? Yeah. So let's talk about the first night because we'd yeah. meet up. Yeah, well, you normally have a meeting. Obviously, you have to navigate the traffic. So you leave a bit earlier. Um, yeah, the traffic yeah. is the biggest so you're coming from Leicestershire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Meet up at six, but I'll leave at one just to make sure I'm in time because obviously you don't want to be late. And if you are late, you're going to be stuffed. But um, you leave plenty of time. With Lanny, I think Lanny used to have one-on-ones with everyone, didn't he? Yes. You'd book in and you'd, yeah. you'd, you'd, whenever your slot was and what have you. And by that point, we kind of, New, yeah. uh, having started in 2010, so we sort of knew our, our way around. But in 2016, when obviously Eddie come in, uh, we all got this message saying, pop in and see Eddie. He's in, what was the name of his room? Was it Clarence? Yeah, it might be Clarence. It's Clarence? It's one of the ones outside. Of them, it's one of those ones, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so you said, got this message, go see Eddie at any point. No no time, just just go see him. So I thought, okay. So I got there, sorted out my, my bags, uh, went to room, thought I'd better go see Eddie. Knocked at the door, come in, mate. Oh, Benny, how are you? Nice to meet you, Eddie. I'd, I'd never met him or anything like that. So sat down, started the meeting. It was going really well. I thought, this is this is great. Started talking about Fru de Prier and, and how he'd spoken about myself to him. Had this conversation. I was thinking, this is this is all right. You know, I hadn't heard anything from him. I thought, this is, sounds like I'm I'm sort of uh, in, the, in the mix. And he was like, uh, what part of game do you need to work on? And I said, oh, passing you're kicking your general basis of course mate that's that's without giving but no what what part of your game do you need to work on i thought um so not my core skills because that's a given you're right i need to keep working at that so then i'm thinking uh game management no mate decision making no mate anyway as it listed on i was thinking i can't can't for life of me so mate you need to stop eating sweets. It's so like, sorry. He's like, I need you to lose three kilos. I don't think he actually knew what my weight was, but he was just like, he had it in for everyone and everyone had to lose weight. Um, he's like, you need you to lose three kilos, man. I need you 88 kilos. I was like, right. He goes, what are you now? I was like, 91. He's like, okay, mate, that's what you need to do. Go make it happen. And then I was like, okay. And then he, he leant over down to his side and pulled out this like massive tub of like sweets and chocolate. And he's like, Benny, do you want one, mate? And I said, uh, no, thanks. He goes, that's a great start, mate. We'll see you later. And I just walked <laughs> off and I was just like, I remember walking out that door thinking, what on earth has just happened? But like, I loved it because you're like, all right, the fact like you've never been so clear in terms yeah. of this is what I need from you. This is what you do. These are what I expect you to do. These are the skills you bring. Keep doing it. Keep working on it. I need you fit because I want to play at a quicker pace and do all that. So, and Eddie, what are you actually going to do with those sweets? Yeah, yeah. Just and, and asking for a friend. Uh, my mate um, so asking. Yeah, yeah. Dickie, had a, Dickie had one as well, didn't he? Yeah. When he he, he went in and uh, sort of a bit similar to mine, really. He sat down and was like, Luke, I uh, love, love the way you play, Luke. You know, you're aggressive, you're abrasive and you're this and that, and uh, which he is a, is a fantastic player. And he said, uh, do you like a beer, mate? And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't mind it. 
And uh, Eddie goes, uh, do you want one now, mate? And sort of Dicky being Dicky was probably really considering having one. <laughs> I think he was tempted, but he said no. And he said, good, mate, stay off it for a while and uh, let's get you right. So right before him, we were turned up. I think we had to do, we had to do like, they used to call it eggs and bacon, didn't they? Or yeah. where you do like an evening workout. Pump. Yeah. Literally like a 20 minute workout and then you'd be into meetings and stuff. But normally on camp, you just turn up, have a one-on-one with a coach over the first day or evening, whatever. You have like a team meeting, don't we, where it's like, this is the plan. This is where we want to go to. This is what we want to win. Have dinner, speak to each other and get tomorrow we're into it. Like sort of alignment meetings on the Sunday, it just sets the tone for the whole week, doesn't it? And it's like a clear game plan. This is their weakness. This is how we exploit it. This is what we're going to do. And before you, you literally leave that room going, yeah, like this is it. Like this is how we're going to do it. And you're so clear, aren't you? Oh yeah. But those meetings only last five minutes, don't they? Oh, one like at once, a- yeah. After that meeting, there's a lot of downtime and we'd always have a roast on the Sunday and that would like, they always put on a decent meal for us. Yeah. You'd break down that and you'd sit around as a group, you'd chat, there'd be cards, there's darts, there's pool, lads are just catching up. I think it's a lot more like as well, uh, it sounds weird, but like gaming, I think like blokes play a lot more, whatever it was 15 years ago, 10 years ago, blokes didn't really, no. once they're at a camp, you might text each other and spoke to each other, but now I think blokes play every night. There's a few lads that could play Call of Duty till late in the evening. But Luke Howard Dickey, uh, Dickey, he got to number one on uh, Search and Destroy, which may mean nothing to you, Coley. It's a small side of game on Call of Duty. You play online against other people from Enua. And uh, he got to world number one when he was rehabbing with his knee. Well, I remember he literally, I remember watching him because there used to be a big screen at Penny Hill in there and it was in the games room like, and it was hooked up. And I remember watching him play and he would like walk around the map and he'd be like, oh, there's someone hit there and he'd shoot and it would like, there's a kill and it'd be behind a wall. You couldn't see him. And he's like, oh, there'd be someone camping out here and he'd shoot them. And it was phenomenal watching him play. And not phenomenal. He obviously played too much, but. But the lads, again, like trying to get cohesion and stuff like that. And we mentioned, didn't we? Like gaming is a big part of that. Like all got headsets, everyone chats and, and does all that. So, but Luke Kandeki probably is your definite shout to play till 4am. Who is most likely to sleep in? Will Stewart, without doubt. I never met a man like him. It's phenomenal how he sleeps. He has a nap before having a nap. It's a pre-sleep nap, doesn't it? Yeah, he has a pre-sleep nap. Like he, one time he went for a nap at like six. So dinner was at seven, let's say. He went for a nap at six and he woke up at 2 a.m. from a nap and then had to shower and then was like starving. <laughs> but then I just went back to bed. He is phenomenal. Who is most likely to be first at training? Johnny May. Yeah. Johnny May, because he'd be like stretching, mobbing. Yeah. Pre-activating. Pre-activating. Uh, and then often kickers go down, don't they? And kick with Johnny before anyway. So so they might be down there beforehand. But it's basically anyone that's either really old and needs moving uh, and activating, or it's the fast lads that kind of take ages. It was all the high, highly uh, fast switch athletes. Yeah. Um, who is most likely to order pudding? And what is pudding? I don't think that's a theoretical question. And what is pudding? I think what... <laughs> yeah, I hope <laughs> do so. We have pudding uh, and, do we have puddings? Uh, and if so, who orders it? You can't really order... You know, can't order pudding in camp. It's not like you, your pudding is essentially fruit. But we do have meals out, don't we? But you we have order, meals out. But you normally pre-order pudding. And it's normally like a set thing of like sticky toffee or there might be a banoffee pie or yeah, a brownie, brownie or something like that. Yeah. Brownie's always a good one. I mean, we were in a uh, restaurant once, weren't we? And the, the waiter came around the corner and said, right, I've got a... Uh, or was it a lamb shank and a ribeye steak for Mr. Kyle? For Mr. Kyle? So Sink's like put his hand up and he got double portion. Oh. So um, yeah, some boys can put it away. Um, who's got the worst music choices in the gym? I know Sinks was big on the music when we were in the forward session. Joe Marler would sometimes come in and take over and play, oh, what was her name? Like Barbara Streisland. 
which is <laughs> <laughs> so random in the gym. The worst used to be Dave Sylvester tweets. Yeah. Um, he used to pick his music. Coach. He was an S&C coach. He'd put his music on and he was really precious about yeah. <laughs> it. was like they had, to, even yeah. though he wasn't lifting, he was the <laughs> yeah. S&C coach. Yeah. He wasn't even lifting, yeah. but he had to have his music and yeah. he was very precious about that. If he turned it off, he got upset, didn't he? Yeah. Um, who is most likely to challenge the coaches? Do you know what? You have a leadership group. You, you have a yeah. senior group yeah. or a group of mixed experience. They meet all the time. Yeah. And any feedback then can then filter back to yeah. the coach. I think coaches are very receptive really now. Really receptive. A, I think, as in rugby, I think there's definitely a, there's still a respect thing for coaching. The fact that I've never really seen anyone outwardly challenge a coach in a meeting. Apart from Johnny May once, um, Steve got him up for an example, didn't he? Steve's like, Johnny, because he was the dearest bloke there. He's like, Johnny May, please stand up and... Um, Johnny, if I was a um, defender, what would you do? And Johnny said, I'd run over you. There was a bit of context behind that, wasn't there? Yeah. Because Johnny, at this point, being told that he wasn't going to be part of the 33 going to the World Cup. And Steve was talking about uh, how we need to carry low and, yeah. and aggressive and all that. And Johnny had found out the news the day before being told that he, he wasn't part of the 33. And it just so happened that Johnny was sort of next to Steve as he needed a dem so someone to demo. And he's like, Johnny, jump up. And he's like, if, if I was a defender, Johnny... And you were to run at me, what would you do? And he'd be like, well, Steve, if I had a reason to be really aggressive towards you and <laughs> run at you, then yeah. I would run over you. <laughs> Seems a bit like... Uh, it was, a, it was one of those moments where we all knew that Johnny yeah. had been told he's yeah. not going. Yeah. We all knew Johnny was fuming and gutted. Yeah. And it was this awkward, yeah. but brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. And we'll ask him about it because no doubt knowing Johnny, he'll know the absolute off by heart. What I happened. think he was also a bit annoyed because earlier in the camp, during like week two, they did a high ball drill. And it's like, I could have jump you, Steve. It was, it was a, not a strange relationship. It was like a, a funny kind of like competition between the two. It's like, I could have jump you, Steve. And then Alan threw the ball. They got him like one-on-one and then the mats. That's right. I threw the ball in the air. And Steve basically pushes John out of the way, steals the ball. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah. And then Johnny for five minutes, because we, we were so, we know we talk about discipline a lot. Yeah. And he'd be like, well, you, the head coach has not got discipline. Push me. Push me. Apparently, he pushed me. Yeah. So I think Johnny was still resenting that moment. Um, but yeah, and coming back to challenging coaches, you know, coaches want feedback. Yeah. They want the best environment. Yeah. They want the players. The players feel what they can't, and the coaches see what we can't. And you just got to use feedback, but it's always constructive. It's always brought on. There's a reason they do stuff. So like training, it's like, oh, it's a bit hard. But it's like, well, training is we're going to go hard this week, next week. Then we get to the World Cup, we'll taper off. And normally the big bugbears are training's hard or training for too long. And it's like, well, because sometimes say we have had a coach in the past who just do it for the sake of doing it. Whereas now a lot of his GPS are and all that kind of stuff. And you ask the question and they're like, this is why we're doing it. And then you're like, fair enough. I get it. Anyway, next question. Who's most likely to say they're going to challenge a coach, but then not? Who's a coward? Yeah. <laughs> you basically asked me, who's the coward? Yeah. yeah. Um, right, 2015, and we did the police riot stuff. Everyone was knackered. Yeah, we were basically- Didn't in, go great. Backstories were in full gear. We basically, we then- Riot shield. This riot shield training camp police. It was all about coordination. We had firebombs thrown at us. We had bricks thrown at us. We got pelted. We were marched around a lot. It was quite hot. It was a summer's day team building but it was a tough it was actually quite a tough physical day wasn't it yeah and then the next day we go in we're in the change train. rooms we had to train we knew it was gonna be really like physical training we got so like late didn't we training. and boys had like the everyone had to put on boots and there was a lot of sort of ankle achilles stuff because like fair play to the riot cops the boots they wear are like they are 45 kilos uh but we basically we did the riot stuff on the friday and we'd been flogged up to that friday yeah. so and then saturday morning we we did this fitness slash training session that was going to be really grueling so coming to change rooms right haskers around there james haskell he's like bantering all the lads i'm wrecked i'm this everyone's bollocks it's like it's ridiculous, it's ridiculous. we're all knackered shouldn't yeah, be doing it be, but i'm gonna tell yeah 
And then he basically said, I'll, I'll stand up, lads, I'll do it. We went upstairs. We got enough to the 4G pitch at the top. Andy Farrell got everyone around, right, lads, bring it in. And he knew, he knew that yeah. we were like sore, tired and all that. And he said, lads, how are we? Hask, how are you? Bearing in mind, Hask had been absolutely giving it the big one downstairs. Goes, I'm super duper, yeah. mate. He, he'd be the first to admit he folded like a deck chair and everyone just kind of like looked at him in yeah. absolute shock. Yeah. And he, to be fair, he came downstairs and he goes, sorry yeah. boys, I've absolutely, I've absolutely folded there. I've absolutely folded. He's the first time being yeah, here, Yeah, that was, so yes, that kind of answers that question, but there's an example where someone, uh, he was going to do everything for the lads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I'm a senior player. I'll tell them boys, we ain't doing it. Gets up there. I'm super duper, mate. Ready to go. <laughs> okay, and finally for this section, who is most likely to FaceTime their dog? Elliot Daly, probably. He's got this pug, isn't he, that he loves. Winston, yeah. I think it's called. Yeah. He loves he loves that dog. Tom Curry as well. He like, oh, yeah. He's got um, a sausage dog, isn't he? Yeah, he's he got has. a couple. But yeah, no, he was, I'm room with him and be like saying the name. I can't remember the names. I just tuned out at that point, but yeah. Like, yeah. Show me the doggy, show me the dog, show me the dog, oh, hello, like that. Rooms. Who who decides rooms? It's yeah. sort of strange, isn't it? Because I've had different roomies throughout the years, really. And then now, I've barely been consistent with mine, but I think it's literally there is a rooming. Marla and, and Jamie always seem to do it, right? Yeah. Because at Penny Hill, you have your, they're all lovely rooms, but they're side by side rooms, yep. which is two double beds next to each other, separated by two foot. Um, and then there's the up down rooms or the apartments where. I think there's supposed to be only one, they're a bedroom and like an office downstairs, aren't they? But Penny will stick a bed in there. Yeah. So they're for the senior players, so you can have separate bedrooms, which is quite nice. There's a senior, there, there is, is a, a hierarchy. There is, there I is. No hierarchies are frowned upon nowadays, but when yeah. it comes to rooming, there is. It, you're at the top of the hierarchy, it's brilliant, all right? The more caps you have, the better room you have. And if you have a roomie that you really like, and let's say they've only got 12 caps, yeah. but you're rooming with someone with 80 or yeah. 70, they might be in the bracket for the up-down room. Yep. You've befriended them and you can squeeze in and up-down. Yeah. So sometimes it's a bit tactical for some lads. Well, I, that's what I did with Floody. I think I was, came in with zero, but Flood was on 50 or 60 at the time, one of the more senior players. So I like, knew from Leicester and he's like, you were in me, I'm like, perfect. And we got an up-down. You were straight into an up-down? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah, no, gosh. Yeah. I yeah. didn't I know I don't tell many people. That's taken... 13 years to tell people but yeah I got that I think and I was then, in um, Ash for about <laughs> I don't know how for a long time was yeah. it Ash I think it was like side by side yeah. or something with I Crofty and then, uh, then Fuddy obviously retires that's where to France and then I end up with Chris Robshaw who happened to be the captain so I slept my way to the top you're, and a, tactic, you're a tactical the, genius mate. yeah mate <laughs> smart aren't I like so yeah I had one of the most cap players and then the captain so um, which worked really well and I'd say at one point I think I'd spend more time with I think I spent like 50 weeks with him, um, Robbo. But like, I reckon when I got married in 2015, I'd spent more time with Robbo in a room that had my wife. Yeah. So it was only after the World Cup, which thankfully didn't last long. Uh, <laughs> Made up for, for it. my marriage. If I'm not involved <laughs> from a rugby, obviously, for my marriage, the World that 2015 didn't last too long. But um, yeah, you spend a lot of time together, don't you, with your roommate? You do. You do. That's why you got to have a good roommate. You don't want snorers. The worst roommate, or Mako, because he snores so loud. Yeah. You don't want to be a Mako. Well, I was with Tom Curry this last World Cup. Yes. Which was fine. But then he started speaking in the middle of the night. And we had a, you know, we had that, the, it was the balcony kind of thing. Yeah. He's like, oi. I was like, what the fuck? He's like, are you all right? I'm like, I thought he was offering out for a fight. He's like, <laughs> it's 2 a.m. Curry, you're right. And then when you roll over and you're like, I sort of open my eyes, I'm like, please don't be stood over me. And it's like, no, he's in his bed. He's sleep talking. I'm like, Yes. And there's no response. <laughs> but you know, your she, heart starts pounding. She's like, I'm going to I'm gonna have a scrap here. Like literally in the middle of the night, you, you want some? <laughs> no, no, I'm all right. <laughs> I 
upset at one that fight. Um, but well, yeah, obviously, yeah. obviously, you've been asleep. Sleepwalking. Yeah. <laughs> you knocked him out, mate. Well, the stories of sleepwalkers. I speak to Julian Montoya, and he says, this is Intel for the Argentina camp, Thomas Lavanini yeah. and Crema, so scary. two of the biggest, two, scary, two really scary men, men yeah. they room together, but they also both sleepwalk. So they ended up punching seven bells out of each other in nighttime, sleepwalking. You kidding? A, no, they had a fight in sleep. They had a sleep fight. If you know Kremer and you know Thomas Lavanini and you know how yeah. they play, I think that would be an amazing charity boxing fight, like, to be yeah, honest with yeah, you, let alone yeah. that. So it's already happened. Yeah, they, had, they were scrapping apparently asleep. I don't, know, I don't know what point do you like wake up in the middle of a scrap and then one wakes up, one, one doesn't and it's like, Part of me thinks one of them might have been pretending <laughs> to be asleep. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm sleep, well, I'm sleepwalking. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fed up are you? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Imagine that, Big just, Thomas. He's a he's a scary man. Just wake up in the morning, you're like a black eye and like missing a tooth. And you're like, what happened here? Then you roll over and look at your mate. You're like, hmm, sorry. Well, here's a good one for you, Coley. How many weeks do you reckon we've spent at Pennyhill Park and what do you reckon it's cost the RFU? I reckon I have done a total of 10. I've done 11 Six Nations, but I've been injured, not picked for some, so I reckon I've done about 10. And if you think Six Nations, they are eight weeks because you have a start, you two fallows, don't you, in the middle of it. So I would say eight, so that's 80 weeks. I reckon I've done three summer tours, which can last a month, maybe five weeks, but you definitely do a week in camp beforehand, don't you, before you fly out to places. Yeah. So three of them, so you could say five weeks. That's 15. We've then got autumn, autumn series. Let me have a look at my little list here. Six, as I reckon I've done. You've obviously done more. I've got nine, nine autumns and I've got five tours. And autumns are normally four weeks. In fact, you've got a week before, so they're four to five weeks. So we'll say four, because sometimes you play three games, blah, 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 blah. Then you've got Rugby World Cup camps, camps. pre-camps. Yes. Which is going to be, I think, We've off the top out, of my head. We think it's about 10 weeks, right? 10 weeks, I think. So we've done four of them, so that's 40. And so that's 40 weeks. So, And then you've got the Rugby World Cup, which we obviously did one, the Home World Cup. Which one do we want to talk about? Mm, it's for nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> four weeks. Four weeks. Um, so if we do 80 weeks in Six Nations, I reckon 15 in the, what did I say, summer. Autumn Internationals, six fours are... 36. Oh, you're doing your numbers. I'm yeah. doing my numbers. Yeah, sorry. And then we got 40 weeks in camp for the World Cup plus four. So, so that's just, what have you got? Well, I reckon total, if I just do my weeks at Penny Hill, is I reckon that is eight, two, four, six, about 148. 169 weeks. Over three years at Penny Hill, which is slightly alarming, really, when you think about that. I'm going to book a room in February. And that is going to set us back just these six thousand, six and a half thousand pound a week, then. <laughs> um, doesn't in, doesn't include all the club sandwiches we've had. <laughs> God, imagine that. Let's uh, count that up. Um, yeah, we, we, so we, we'll leave the club sandwiches so we out. Six and a half thousand pound a week. I'm going to round mine to one sixty because. I mean, but, and surely they, because there's so many of us there, they get a way better rate You'd than hope that. we get a discount rate, but um, the figure I've got for my hotel room bill at Penny Hill is approximately £455,000. I've got £520,000. <laughs> <laughs> and, cool. and I took nine weeks off it. Just yeah, just yeah, like, I, I rounded mine <laughs> down a bit. Um, I, just, I didn't want to round up. I rounded down just to... Uh, so yeah, it's... Um, I mean, the RFU, it'd be worth it. Have they invested in us? And, right, yeah, uh, yeah. Made sure that we've had three years of great sleep. 
Do you reckon there's an option? If you do it again, it's like, you could stay at the Premier Inn down the road. I <laughs> <laughs> get to keep the difference. So what do you, the squad get up to? What do we do? Because often we are together. What do we do in our downtime, Coley? Because obviously you're away from stuff. There are contraband runs. Yeah. Which sometimes apparently occur and stuff getting snuck in. And, and uh, Waitrose and M&S uh, get a bit of a hammering. With 2015 World Cup, wasn't it? We've basically been dumped out. Some of us stayed down. It was like, right, we'll just go to the hotel after dinner for a hot chocolate and a sap. Or like, just put things to right. And then like, gradually blokes came along. We're coming back in. And then it was a good sort of 10, 15 of us, but it turned from hot chocolates quite rapidly into... Peronis. Peronis. And you ordered Moscow Mules. You ordered like... Yeah. yeah brilliant. And then well, we, Robert, you were rooming with Robert and yeah. bless him. And he was down in yeah. the dumps. Oh yeah, we had him in his room, yeah. I think, for the entire time. So it was like, we'll get... We'll, so being good mates, yeah, we were yeah, like, let's get him yeah, down yeah. to the bar. Yeah, just trying to lift the spirits a bit. I think a good half the squad turned up. Every, everyone who turned up was like, where's everyone? And we're in the bar. So did that. And then... I, I had... Uh, well, Marla took off, didn't he? There was like, you, night. me, Robbo, Marla, basically at the end of the thing. Marla took yeah. off. And then like he said he was knackered to so him back to his room. And then we decided, the bar closed, and we decided to carry on drinking, didn't we? But we thought, well, you thought. I thought that it would be great if Catty came and joined us because he's Cat a legend. Would, yeah. Mike Catty's an absolute yeah. brilliant coach. Obviously done wonders with Ireland. Top bloke. And I thought, Catty will, you know, he's, seen, drink, it, he's seen it all. Yeah. He knows, you know, He'll he's a been drink. a player. He knows how much it hurts. Like, you know, you just want to be with your mates and have a beer and soften the blow that way. We were young. Um, so I came around the corner and you, you two thought it'd be a great idea as well. But then you stopped walking <laughs> next to me, which I didn't realise. Knocked on Catty's door, to which he's then opened the door and then been like, let's say not best impressed that I'm stood there with uh, uh, Lenny, yeah? a beer asking him if he fancies one at 2am and um, he's a bit miffed as what the hell was going on. At the end yeah. of the week, yeah. <laughs> Whilst you two hit around the corner, all I can hear is you sniggering and laughing. Writing the laughter of Robbo. And then so we did that. And then, because Marla took off to me, Marla had the door that would basically, if you hit your shoulder hard enough into it, just burst open. So... We decided we'd go play Marla a visit. He'd tuck off, see what he's doing. We burst the door open with these drinks. Yes. We basically marched in. He's there. He's got the hits on Freeview TV. <laughs> he's got his hands out, his pads. He's fully asleep, but his chest is covered in crisps. <laughs> 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 I just got over. He got back to his room. But I remember like sitting on the seat. He's like woken up. Like, oh. And I remember sitting on the seat and like he had a... He'd obviously been to the garage earlier on the day and it's like a cheese and ham sandwich under the thing, like under my arse. I picked up, I was like, what's this? He's like, oh, I'll have that. And he just starts <laughs> eating this cheese and ham sandwich in bed at three or whatever it was. Oh, that was um, fun times. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, that was interesting. We used to have um, Bobby Stridge. Yes, yes. Legend, energy giver, top man. Yeah. Uh, his room was always open if you wanted to chat or anything like that. And I remember knocking on his door, a lot of us knocking on his door to say, uh, you know, I fancied a, a coffee with him or whatever. And he answered it, but naked. And he said, oh, excuse, sorry, lads, where are my manners? And uh, he went into the bathroom and then came out just wearing a tie and then sat down with us and made us all the burritos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never really know what's going to happen, really. No. Um, so I think when boys are in camp long enough, they find ways of sort of, yeah, I mean, that was that prank. I know it wasn't Penny Hill, but there was, to get over our jet lag, we basically told to go out and drinking for a few days. And then it turned out that someone defecated in someone's sink. Yes. I wouldn't name, mention names, but then they're like, I remember being woken up in the hotel because I was banging on, literally the doors were felt like it was going to come off the hinges. Like, it wasn't my door, obviously, but down the thing. And then who put an end to that? Uh, Steve Thompson came out and he was, I can only describe it as, if you've ever seen Shrek, I think it's the third, and it's like, do the roar. And he's like, do the roar, do the roar, do the roar. And then he just like, he just gets the breaking point and he just erupts. That was basically Steve Thompson down the hallway of the hotel 
And um, whilst the other lad was stood there holding this uh, this turd in a towel. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we should probably talk about what actually happens in a test week in camp. Yes. We'll go from the start. What time are you waking up? Up and about, I don't know, eight, go down. Breakfast is... It's always the same breakfast, isn't it? Yeah. You've got your porridge. Yes. You've got your protein shakes if you want that. Yeah. You've got your yogurts, your fruits. Then you've got eggs, scrambled eggs, poached eggs, they're, salmon. They're brought in recently. They have like an omelette chef, don't they? Who basically yes, they comes do. in. I think because a lot of the time, some boys don't have breakfast and this issues people weight and all that kind of stuff in there. Some boys need to put on weight in camp because we train so hard, they lose it. And yeah. so they kind of try and specialize really in breakfast to making that as exciting as it can be monday test week is an install day which we call an install day which is basically here are the plays for the week here are the forwards get told the line outs it's not a physical day it's more of a walk through uh, you might do a bit of jogging light jogging to get the body moving but again backs love the the attacking plays we'll have meetings in regards to say the opposition what they're showing what we can say the scrum meeting the line of meeting how we're going to attack as a team and basically we come together probably that's in the morning, isn't it? Then you might have a short break and then the afternoon, which is an early afternoon, we'll basically go on the field and either jog or walk. It's essentially laying out the foundations of your game and what are the key strategies for it, isn't it? That's yeah. that's what Monday yes. is. You leave with like really crystal clear what the plays, what the strike yeah. plays, what we expect from them to run against yes. us. Yeah. What do we need to do? Yeah. Obviously you have line outs and everything yes. changes all like that. But it's essentially, it's a day for absolute clarity, isn't it? So nothing's yeah. done at a, a, a high pace. No. It's all like learn and, and all that. And we'd probably be on the field for how long do you reckon? 40 minutes, if that, 45, yeah, minutes, 45 that, minutes that, an hour. But you've obviously got more meetings that day because it's more of a thought yeah. day. And yeah. I say Monday afternoon, say after we've done training, treatments, normally two full-time masseuses, a boys booking for treatment, massage, try and get as fresh as it possibly can for that's right the next day and then Tuesday's the main one really it's the big day isn't it physical day those sessions obviously varied over the years like now again a lot of rugby is based around we'll train as hard as we can for as short as we can and then recover whereas do you remember I guess yeah back in you see almost not, nowhere near as intense but then we'll just dr- drag it out and train for well, really really long units for Tuesday morning I reckon units we do two hours and that'd be live scrum or hit the machine live scrum live mall like pick and go ball carry everything you could do in a unit session then we'd sit down we'd have like a three course meal for lunch and then you'd go out and like two o'clock or two three o'clock in the afternoon wouldn't you we'd basically play a test match because it was one period we used to do like four ten minutes blocks yep of like after you'd warm it up so you four ten minutes blocks and one would be defense one would be attack and then i remember one week it was brian smith and mike ford now ford was like i want the defense block to be live i want us to go full on because we lacked intensity last week so we'll do it live so like tick next week brian smith's like I like a bit of that. I think the attack block should be live. So we did, <laughs> we did 10 minutes of full-on defence. There was 10 minutes of attack. Then next week, Ford, he was like, yeah, I think I think I need another intense defence block. <laughs> so by the end of this series, we're basically just playing a test match. Test match on a Tuesday and then back up with a test the match pro- on a Saturday. The thing as well, like, I haven't really touched on, but some boys would go home Tuesday night when they'd be sent back to yep. their clubs. So those boys might not have played and they're pissed off. So they're going as hard as they can. Blokes have played test match the weekend and knackered and it's like... A bit banged yeah. up still. <laughs> yeah. And so you were literally having a full-on fight in the middle of the <laughs> training phase. Yeah. So that's your physical day. It's trained to win, isn't it? And it's like the team, like you say, that are prepping, you know, that you've got the starters and the, and the job of the roles of everyone that's not starting is to literally put that team under as much pressure as possible. And like you say, you've got guys that are naturally, or everyone's so competitive anyway, that it's just, it's great. And it's done at such a high level. And it's then you've got guys that are driving it. Hey, like Faz is brilliant at driving it. George and, and all those um, other guys that are just kind of like driving the, the standard of it, which everyone obviously then follows. But I might be mistaken, but I remember in 2019 World Cup, we played New Zealand semi-final. 
Like the non-23 had one of the greatest training days on like the Tuesday. Boys were revved up, but I remember that training that week, just the intensity being sky high. And after that, you like, it prepped the team so well, it I think did. for, I think one thing probably differentiate training is tackling, for instance, is it's shoulder in front. We're not full out clearing. We're not trying to hurt each other, spear each other, We're not trying to break anyone, but it's as physical as it can be faster than a game. Um, but the physicality, especially at the breakdown, isn't as high because you don't want to break anyone, basically. Your movement's flat out. Your mind's flat out. Everything you're doing is flat apart from, like you say. Yeah, just that know, final bit that of final bit biting is the just, um, breakdown yeah, and tackle. And the, and the tackle, they're just, it's just a, a sensible. Yeah. And then we finish and then we have to go, like, because there's such an emphasis on that is then recovery time. Yeah. So then we have cryo chamber. Yes. Ice baths. Yeah. Stretching. Saunas. Uh, it always makes me laugh because Penny Hill is obviously so lovely. They've got this amazing spa. Yeah. Couples are there for a lovely weekend or a lovely weekday. On yeah. Tuesday, I think I'll get to Penny Hill and take, you know, treat my partner and go there. And then 32 lads pile into the spa. All the budgie like, smugglers, yeah. yeah. Just sat in the sauna, like He's shoulder to shoulder. Sauna, like, lads this romantic couple like that, just getting sweated <laughs> on by the blokes. Like Some guys that might be slightly less uh, athletic than the rugby team. Like you see the arm around the missus go a bit tighter, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. What's out here? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Don't look in there. Don't look I, in there. That, that always, I don't know what it is, but it's like you finish on Tuesday and then we obviously go, like, reco- like I said, recovery is so important, but I always feel sorry for those couples that have gone for like, this lovely like night away at this great hotel <laughs> spa. It's like yeah. their week. And then 32 of us horrible lads sweating, having yeah. just beaten each other up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Come straight down, sit in the sauna and ruin there, basically. In the hot hour. tub. Yeah, in the hot there's tub. There's like two of them sat there and there's like 12 <laughs> blokes just around them. <laughs> Hi, yeah. And now it's changed actually because now we move hotels, don't we, on a, yes. on a Thursday and go because yeah. we used to, um, we used to travel in on game day from Penny Hill, which yeah. would be uh, a long old journey to yeah. Twickenham. Well, it was brilliant. Originally it started, we used to get police escorts and we used to get like, we did, yeah. the, the four police bikes and people moving out of the way on the M3 and like it was, and that got stopped and then we just got stuck in traffic. So you're back onto roads. Yeah. All right. Well, I think, <laughs> do you know what? We'll do another episode entirely about the, fri- about the Friday and then actually the test match okay, itself. Okay. Because the traffic. There's a lot. Mention the traffic, right? We will mention the traffic. Right, actually, yeah, fine, yeah. we can mention that. And, and if you want, you can talk about police escorts in Italy and France. Brilliant, yeah. Because they're pretty aggressive. Yeah. And turning up late to World Cup finals. Yes, we can yeah. talk that as well. Oh, and um, <laughs> before the Grand Slam in 2016, don't forget the guy that's oh, yeah. just collapsed on the pavement oh, and then the God. bus can't get yeah. around. That was literally like that. Doing yeah. a 300 point turn to try and avoid him. Yeah. We've, we've got a few things anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, maybe we'll just do another episode just in terms of just general journeys. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I've actually spent most of my life, I reckon, facing backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I sit backwards on the bus at away games. I reckon I've flown to Australia and back facing the wrong way. So I'd like, I, this is another stat. I should work out how many miles I've done facing backwards in my life. Well, that's episode one in the books. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I mean, if you didn't, don't comment. Go find us on Instagram and TikTok. Links are in the descriptions. Give us that five-star review. Apparently, it's very important to get this thing off the ground, so please do. Whilst you're there, hit the follow button. Alternatively, you could click it, and that means you won't miss an episode. If you want any free kit, get in touch. We are willing to swap. It's not really free. It's more of a trade. It is a trade, you're right. If you want another podcast to listen to, we recommend Joe Marler's Things People Do. Listen to the episode he did with... Emma the Beekeeper. Right, she listens to that one. It's very good. If you want to listen to our podcast ad-free, go to Amazon Music. Or if you're on Apple, just subscribe for £1 per week. See you next week. We will see you next week. You'll see us next week. You'll listen to us next week. You'll hear us next week. You'll hear us next week. Hear us next week. Listen to us next week. Better listen to us next week. Tell your mates to listen to us next week. Please. Please.